welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. sections on parenting, a lot of different ideas about things to do and not do, but even if you read uh, you know, some good books on parenting, uh, as, a, as a young uh, parent, you, you really uh, are learning on the go, uh, because it's a new, totally new situation, and every child's different, even if you, even if it's not your first child, but the second child is, is different from the first and has different needs, different personalities. And, and so as parents, often we feel overwhelmed sometimes by the responsibility of parenting. But as you look at God's 
word and God's instruction to parents, you find that his uh, instruction is very basic. It's very straightforward. And yet, we find God's words very comprehensive in that it includes all that God has given us in his word. Uh, he says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that, that entails the whole word of God. And so we realize that as we seek to be faithful to that uh, command, then we really are dealing with um, a great body of truth and, and information and uh, practical for practical living as well as the uh, instruction of doctrinal content. Well, in chapter 6, uh, Paul continues speaking about the practical implications of being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in fellowship with the Lord that we begin looking at back in chapter 5. Those of you that's been with us through this um, uh, preaching series, you, you will remember those instructions of how we're to, to walk with Him. And, uh, and talk, we talk about the importance of being submitted to the Lord and submitting to the Spirit of God that He might, he might guide us and direct us. And so Paul is continuing his thoughts here, although we have a new chapter, it's not a new, it's not, it's not a separate uh, information from what he's been talking about. He continues dealing with these relationships, uh, that these three groups of relationships, the husband and wife, the children and parents, the masters, and the uh, uh, slaves who have been in that day, the bond servants we have in translation. But uh, Paul is, is concerned that we not only know what God has done for us, we know the truth, but we are able to apply that to our living. Well, the message here is directed to parents and children, but it has important applications for each one of us. So I, I want you to feel like this morning, if you're not... Uh, if you don't have young children at home, or or if you're not a, a child that's uh, still in the home, that this message is not for you, because it really applies to all of us in the body of Christ, because as the local body, we have responsibility to the next generation, and God has called us all to be involved in lives of children. Even though we may not be directly involved on a day-to-day -day basis, we are able to influence by our own testimony, our own life. We are very, uh, very much a part of what uh, children in the next generation of the of the church is learning and seeing, and uh, so we we want to be part of that in our thinking, in our prayers, and in our support to parents and to children. Well, notice in uh, verse 1 to 3 that Paul is speaking directly to children. And he assumes that in the, in, in, the, in the assembly there of the believers, that as, the, as Paul's letter is being read, that they are in that assembly and they are, 
and they are part of that body. He, he sees them as having responsibility before the Lord. And, and, and the Lord uh, has <clears throat> this direct word to children, not just to the parents. He says in verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now that, that phrase, in the Lord, is sometimes taken in different ways. Sometimes it's taken to modify parents and sometimes to modify children. In other words, uh, believing parents or believing children. But it seems best to take that uh, phrase in modifying the verb obey or the command to obey. In other words, the, the focus is on the Lord, not the parents or the children, but on the Lord. In other words, the children's obedience is unto the Lord uh, for his sake. And so in a very real way, when uh, children obey their parents, they are obeying the Lord. And so that's the point I believe he's making in the late in another letter, Colossians 3, verse 20, Paul says it this way, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And so, although children are to um, are, are directly obeying their parents, they should, should understand, just as he's been talking to, to parents, the, the primary motivation is to please the Lord honor him, to obey him. And Paul, Paul adds to that, for this is right. Uh, it's the word dikaos. It's, it's the words often translated righteous or just. It's just right. And even among the ungodly cultures of the day, the Romans and the Greeks, this matter of children obeying their parents was understood. It was just assumed as being right. But the reason that it's right, and the reason that children should obey, is not because it seems good to us, but because it is what God has commanded. Well, in our culture today, especially in the Western world, we seem to have lost sight of the importance of children obeying their parents. Obedience seems to be a lot more subjective um, and even optional in some people's thinking. Even the church has been impacted by the world's philosophy, the world's wisdom, and their thinking. And many efforts are being made and have been in the process of being made for many years to, to move society away from parental authority. To undermine many things that are done uh, to undermine the parental authority. And so, as believers, we need to hold fast to God's word and to, to recognize that the Lord here is not making obedience optional. He's, he's giving a direct command uh, to children uh, to obey. And as children grow up, they, they are able to 
to understand and recognize they have a responsibility unto the Lord, but it begins with obedience to their parents. Um, and so, as we think about children, uh, obviously they're not they're not going to be perfect, just like we're not perfect, and their obedience is never going to be perfect, never going to be uh, complete. In fact. From the time of their birth, they have imprinted upon their very nature a heart to disobey. And as parents, you are well, well aware of that. It's just, it's just the reality. And so the task of parents, especially in their early years, is to turn the child's heart from, from self, from selfishness and, and the disobedient way that is, is part of their very nature and turn them to a way of submission. Submission and obedience to parents, which really prepares their heart to be a person that obeys the Lord, and will ultimately put their faith and trust in the Lord. When uh, our boys were young and uh, we were uh, training them, Sometimes people you know, looked at us and they, they thought of us as being really strict. I guess we were compared to, um, to some other people. But uh, they thought, wow, they're, they're really strict. But they also, if they knew us, they saw that we had a lot of fun together. And we, we enjoyed being with our boys. And it, it, basically everything we, we did and everywhere we went, they were with us. And we enjoyed life together. Every every part of their development. There was there was never a, a, the terrible twos phase with our boys. There was never a, a like you know teens that uh, you, you really didn't enjoy. Uh, we we had a lot of fun together with our boys. And as you think about your parenting, you're never going to be perfect either. It's just as they're not perfect, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to fail. You're not always going to live up even to your own standards of what you should or shouldn't do. But God has called us to um, to help our our children uh, and to to train them to be what God wants them to be. One of the things that we really try to to get right though in our parenting was that to be very swift to deal with any form of rebellion any form of uh, rebellion against our authority think about when you're very little very young growing up you know rebellion might seem like a harsh word for little kids little kids I mean like one year two year three year olds I mean that may seem like a like a harsh word but the reality is within the heart of every child is a rebel it's just there because of the sin nature and and so we're dependent upon God's grace as we parent uh, and we must realize that we're on a mission that we have an obligation before God and that uh, we are we are setting ourselves on a course. We have a goal. And 
the end of the message, I want to talk about um, a goal, and I've, I've entitled this uh, this sermon, this uh, message, "Parenting with Purpose." We're purpose driven. We're going to get into that more later, but this matter of obedience parents is very important, I would say vital to the development of the child, and it, it impacts every part of their life as they grow up, and most importantly, the future obedience to the Lord. Most of you remember uh, the prophet Samuel and King Saul. Remember King Saul, who was what the people wanted. And he, on the outside, he looked good. He was a, a, a big man, a, a warrior, a strong and handsome. And all the things that, you know, on the outside looked great to be a king. But he was deficient on the inside. He, did, he didn't really have a heart to follow the Lord. And it began to show up more and more as the older he got the more his heart turned away from obedience to the Lord. And there's the one incident in 1 Samuel 15 that kind of came to a climax with his disobedience. You'll remember the story where God commanded him through Samuel to, to go and to completely wipe out the Amalekites. They were at a long-standing uh, judgment upon them from God going all the way back to when the children of Israel were coming out of the promised land and they attacked Israel and so God had uh, even back then determined to completely wipe out this people and everything that was associated with them and so King Saul he goes remember the story and he does uh, defeat the army, kill the people, but he brings back the king, which was culturally normal. You kind of parade the king back and kind of show off your victory. And they also kept the spoils of the battle, which was very practical. I mean, obviously, it's not very practical just to kill animals and and to not take uh, spoils of the, you know, the victory. But that's the opposite of what God said to do. And so when he comes back, Samuel goes to him and confronts him about his lack of complete obedience. And Saul wants to argue with him and say, well, I did obey. And uh, Samuel says, well, what's the sound of these animals that I hear? And uh, the, the king is there. And, and so Samuel says to him in verse 22 and 23, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifice? That was the, uh, the excuse that King Saul gave. He said, well, the people kept the spoil so that we could offer that as an offering unto you. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds reasonable. But it's not what God said. And he says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. 
for rebellion as is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. You see, King Saul thought that he could um, interpret God's command kind of to suit his own wishes, the wishes of the people. But God had given a command and he expected complete obedience. So God has, has put parents in the place of authority and he expects children to obey. But parents are also under authority. And he'll make that point, and we'll get to Lord willing next time when we, we come back to uh, this passage again. He's going to speak to fathers and say to them, do not provoke your children to anger. <coughs> and he, he directs this uh, command to fathers, most likely because as the as the, the leader in the home, men are more inclined to use their authority selfishly. You could say misuse their authority, to be to be domineering and, and self-centered and and to not parent or not use their authority as God had intended. And so Paul reminds them that their authority to, is not for themselves, but to train up their children in the Lord. Well, in verse 2, Paul adds the command from the Old Testament, the fifth of the, of the Ten Commandments. And this command was given specifically to children. He says, honor your father and mother. And so we have this command to honor parents. And so really, children, you're given two commands. The one, obey, and then secondly, to honor. They're both related uh, ideas, but they're not exactly the same. Honor is a broader concept than obedience. It, it deals with the, the disposition of the heart, the attitude of the heart to honor. Uh, and so children must be trained to not only obey, in other words, not only just to do or have the outward <clears throat> compliance, but they must also be taught to obey with the right heart attitude. Now that, that really gets to, to, to motives, it gets to thinking, it gets to the actions that are displayed outwardly, the rolling of eyes, the, the, being, the temper, even though they're in the process of obeying, they can have a bad attitude about it. And we can too, as parents. <laughs> when we are, when the Lord tells us to do something. And so we see from this that the Lord is concerned about more than just the outward compliance. He, he's looking at the heart. And ultimately, as parents, we want to reach the child's heart. That's what we should be more concerned about than just the outward because the outward conformity is, is not enough. There's a book um, written by Ted Tripp called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And I, I found it to be very, very useful in helping parents to, to get a hold of this 
this goal, this motivation of, of not just getting a child to, you know, be quiet and not, not interrupt or to not do this or to do that. I mean, many times as parents, if you can just get them to comply, then you feel like, wow, this is a victory. But um, God wants us to look, look beyond just the compliance to what's going on in little Johnny's heart or, or little Susie's heart and to shepherd uh, the idea of training them up, it's shepherding them, caring for them, helping them, molding them, directing them, all of those things that uh, are involved we, we want to reach the heart of the child. Notice Paul interjects in verse 2 uh, that the command for God to, to, to uh, for children to honor their parents, it has a direct promise connected to it. In verse 3, <coughs> in verse 3, he uh, quotes that it might go well with you and that you might live long in the land. That's uh, from Exodus 20, the, the fifth command there that was given to um, the children. And he leaves off that last part about the, which the Lord is giving you. And in the context, he, he's speaking to the children of Israel. The Israelites, and they're getting ready to... Uh, to go into the promised land that God had promised them and God was going to give them. And he's talking about the promises that they're going to inherit in the land and that God's going to bless them and uh, that they might live long in that land of promise. And so Paul repeats this command and the promise in the context of the new covenant he leaves out the part about God giving them a land, and but he keeps the general uh, general promise of God's blessing in their life and the in giving a long life here on earth. And most have understood this uh, long life that he's talking about here to be a, a full life. In other words, the the complete life that the Lord had planned had. Uh, given for that person. In other words, their their life won't be cut short because of their rebellion, their disobedience, which oftentimes is a natural consequence of rebelling against parents. A natural consequence oftentimes is a, a shortened life because of, of rebellion. And then sometimes God intervenes and brings judgment upon a person directly not just children, but adults as well. And so we have this, this command, but also the promise, the, the, the encouragement uh, that comes with that for the Lord's blessing. If you have your, your Bible there, turn with me back to Deuteronomy, if you will, all the way back to the, the front of your Bible, the fifth book, Deuteronomy. <coughs> And I want to finish out this morning looking at uh, a passage here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is, uh, is Moses, it's 
really a record of Moses' sermons to the children of Israel and calling them to obey the law and dedicate themselves to the Lord in the preparation uh, for going into the promised land. Remember chapter 5, he, he repeats the giving of the, the Ten Commandments that were given earlier back in Exodus 20. And then in chapter 6, we're going to look this this morning, he calls upon them to devote themselves to a complete devotion to the Lord. And what I want you to see is that Moses is concerned about the next generation. He's, he's, he uses language like your sons and your sons' sons. He's, he's concerned that not just this generation that's going into the promised land would obey the Lord, but that their sons would, and that they would teach their sons, or in other words, their children, to also obey the Lord, and that it would be uh, carried on throughout the generations to come. And we have here in chapter 6, the beginning in verse 4, what is uh, called the Shema, and it means... It's the Hebrew word for here, and as oftentimes they would take the beginning of a section or a passage and, and give it a title from that word, and this is the word here, here, O Israel. Uh, and this became the, the confession of faith in the Judaism, this together with uh, a section from chapter 11, also going back to uh, Exodus 13. Very similar words here, calling calling Israel to a, a devotion to the Lord. I want you to I want you to see uh, what he says here in Deuteronomy chapter six, beginning in verse four. He says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might." <coughs> And these words which I commanded you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house uh, and on your gates. <clears throat> So you see there, Moses is calling these people to a, a total life devotion to the Lord. He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. In other words, with your the totality of your being, you're to love the Lord. And uh, again, he's using this word, this, this idea of loving more than just having an emotion for God or, or feelings to obey God. When, when Christ quotes this, it's quoted in the New Testament, the word agape, again, is used. It's having this commitment, this total, total commitment to the Lord. You'll remember that as Christ repeated this, um, reported in the uh, Matthew and Mark, when the, one of the Pharisees questioned him about what is the greatest commandment. And Christ quotes here from Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
and is called the, the Great Commandment or the First Commandment. And so we see this governing principle. Uh, he said that uh, it's great in the sense that it's, it governs our relationship to God. All the other commands that speak to how we're to uh, relate to God, we're not to have any other graven images, we're not to uh, uh, serve other gods, or any of, any of the things that deal with the, how we relate to God, this command is the governing principle for that. If our hearts are fully devoted to God, then that, that in effect, deals with all the other commands uh, that that are given that puts us in the in the right relationship with him to obey him and as you think about parenting and parenting with purpose uh, like Moses we want for our children as Christian parents we want for our children that they would grow up to love the Lord like this this is this is the uh, the overarching purpose in our parenting that you could call it a life goal for them that we as parents could have for them that they would they would uh, grow up and love the Lord with all their heart with all their soul with all their might with all their strength all these different ways of uh, describing who we are with our whole being as parents, we can have many goals and aspirations for our children. Uh, we can hope that they're healthy. That's one of the first things you think about when a child's born. You know, are they healthy? And we can we can hope that they have a good education. How important that is uh, for their future, and being able to get a job and, and uh, be able to. Learn, earn the income and all those things. Uh, many times we can we can hope that they're good athletes, especially uh, fathers. Many times will you know really hope that their sons can uh, can you know can run fast and he can hit the cricket ball or he can uh, run with the rugby ball. And, you know we have these aspirations for them and and those those are are good, but. <clears throat> Of all the all the, the desires that we can have for children, this this goal should stand at the top. Our goal that they would love the Lord, and this this life goal or this um, this purpose will shape and inform all the other goals that we might have for our children. When we when we have this this goal at the top, it it puts other things into perspective, of course. And all of a sudden, education is not the greatest thing in, that, that we could ever think of. All of a sudden, being a good athlete is not as, as important as we thought it was. All of a sudden, even good health is not as important as we thought it was. You see, all of those things are, are good if the Lord blesses the child to have them. But more than all of that, is that they would love the Lord. And as a parent, if we can keep that before us, it guides us and it helps us in our parenting. Yep, it puts things into perspective that in the day-to-day -day grind of life, we can easily forget about. 
So, in conclusion this morning, what can we do as parents and as the, the community of faith, the body, what can we do to help the next generation to have this goal for themselves? As they grow up, what can we do to help them as they grow up to love the Lord? Well, I want to, I want to give you some, some thoughts here from this passage. First of all, we ourselves must be fully devoted to the Lord. If we want to have this goal for our, our children that they would love the Lord with their whole being, then we ourselves must have that as our own goal, that we would love the Lord with our full devotion. Uh, we can't really hope to pass that on to our children if we don't have that for ourselves. It's, it's something that's something that requires more than just teaching. It needs to be demonstrated. And so a life purpose to Lord, love the Lord with all of my heart and soul and mind and being and to, to live to honor Him, that's, that's just basic to Christianity. That's uh, what God has called us to. And so it begins there. The Lord said in verse 4, Love the Lord. The Lord our God is one. Uh, is one. Sorry, I read it wrong. The, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so he's, he's saying by that statement that Yahweh, the Lord, alone is God. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a declaration that stands in contrast to all the peoples around the Israelites of that day. They were all polytheistic. They had these multiple gods, and they tried to appease the various gods that they had imagined. But the Lord is, is telling them that the Lord God is one. There's no other. And God had called them to be a holy people, a unique people, as his people, because they belong to the uh, one and only God. We, too, in the, in the New Testament or the New Covenant, we are a unique people. We are called to be a holy people and having a single devotion to God. In our context, in our culture, we, we, we don't have the, the problem of uh, polytheism like the Israelites did. We, we don't have uh, you know, a temple to Zeus or a temple you know, down the street to some other god. And, and we don't have this, we haven't grown up in the culture of having uh, you know, this draw to, to appease the other gods that are out there in people's minds. But we do have very much a heart to be drawn away to other things, other pursuits, other desires. And so although our gods may not be visible, that's out there in the world, they're very real. And we, we have to fight against this having our hearts devoted to other things and other pursuits so that God it has that preeminent place in our heart. Well, secondly, which flows out of the first is that we must be fully devoted to the Word of God. Uh, notice what he says. 
And these words, which I command you today, shall be on your heart. And so Moses is calling them to love, be devoted to God, which means they're devoted to what God had said, God had commanded. And one of the great blessings of the new covenant in Christ Jesus is that the law of God is written upon our hearts. Whereas Israel had the law written upon the tablets and all these commands that were connected to following the Lord, God has, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, the Spirit of God comes to dwell within us and He's put within our hearts this, this desire to, to know Him through His Word. And so that is, that is a great blessing that we have. He gives us this desire and hunger for His Word. And so we must allow the Word of God to permeate our, our thinking and permeate and form every part of our lives. And then thirdly, <coughs> that will, what will naturally flow out of that is to teach the Word to our children. Verse 7, he says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. Verse 7, You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. There's two things that Paul's, Paul, that uh, Moses is speaking of here. First of all, he's talking about what I would call a systematic teaching of God's Word. That first word, teach, first word, teach, teach them diligently, is translated from a single verb. And in the Net Bible Notes, in the Net Bible Notes, it says this verb means essentially to engrave, uh, to teach incisively. And so he's talking about a systematic teaching of, of the Word. He's, he's talking about a regular planned teaching uh, from God's Word. Well, secondly, he's also talking about an informal teaching. Notice in his words there, he uses the word talk and talk of them. In other words, and talk of, talk of God's commands. And he's, he's dealing with conversation, using every opportunity that we have to talk about God's Word. Uh, there's real danger for us to compartmentalize our lives so that um, on Sunday or specific times, <coughs> we, uh, we talk about God's Word or we think about God's Word. But the rest of the time, it's like, you know, we live in a different compartment of our life, and God doesn't want us to be that way. Men, in particular, our personalities tend to be that way more. But God wants us to live our all of our life with our devotion to Him and our devotion to His Word, and that that devotion would flow out into our lives. And in our conversation with our children. And the reality is, this informal talk is in many ways more impactful upon their lives than the planned 
times where we you know have a, a topic or something we're going to talk about because those informal times is when maybe a child comes with a question and or a problem or they see something and uh, it's real it's there it's current and as a parent we can use that situation we can use that opportunity to to, to instruct them in the principles and in the values of God's Word. And it doesn't have to be profound things. You don't have to be a, a, a seminary professor to be able to do that. Just in the, looking at the beauty of God's creation, we can, we can say to a child, aren't you thankful for, for God and how He's blessed us in, in giving us such a, a beautiful world to live in. And if the child's old enough, we can we can talk about, yeah, there's a lot of problems in the world because of sin. And we can talk about how Adam and Eve sin brought judgment and a curse upon the earth. And we we deal with a lot of these problems that we have. But it's still it's still a beautiful uh, creation that we can enjoy and be reminded that God has uh, has done so much for us and he's given us so many beautiful things and even simple things like looking at a flower and, and things like that or maybe the child's coming with a problem and somebody's being unkind to them at school and being a bully and, and you can take God's word and, and show them why that bully is like that or you can talk to them about how they're supposed to respond to that and so uh, that's what he's talking about here when you when, when, you, when you rise up and when you when you go to bed and when you're in the way and in other words every part of your life everywhere you go every part of the day uh, you can talk about God's word and so the informal teaching the last part there in verse 89 talks about binding them as signs and I believe he's I believe he intended for them to take this as symbolic language, although later the, the uh, Orthodox Jews would take this to be very literal, and they bound little containers on their arms and on their forehead with this, with this scripture passage in it. And they have in their homes, as you go in the door, a little box with the scripture in it. And that's fine if it really does help them to remember uh, what God has said but the problem with that the focus on the outward is that it just becomes it just becomes outward it never really touches the heart and, and the, you remember Lord Jesus Christ he condemned the Pharisees because in their religious pride they were making their phylacteries this little box on their arm broad and they were making the tassels on their garments uh, long so that people would see that they were being faithful. So in other words, it wasn't for them, it wasn't a heart issue. It had become just an outward, an outward. And so God wants us to uh, focus on, on the heart issues. He had, he had said an earlier thing back in uh, Exodus uh, or in Genesis uh, 13 about having it in your mouth as well. He included there having the word in your mouth. And so obviously it didn't mean they were to eat the, eat the text, but that it was to be on their lips. They were to talk of it. It was to be close 
to them, their hand, everything you do is with your, with your hands. The Word of God is there, bound to you. Between your eyes, you know, right in front of you, you see it. And so the Word of God was to, to uh, infiltrate every part of their life, be bound to them. It wasn't just something that lay on the, 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 the coffee table and you picked it up on Sunday morning and brought it with you. The Word of God is to, to, uh, to flow into and out of every part of our life. Well, today, you know, I could, uh, as I go into, uh, into town, I could, I could put my arm under my Bible like this and carry it around. Everybody could see that I was a Christian. But how much better for them to see the love of Christ that flowed from my heart? And to realize that I love the Lord, not because of some outward sign or symbol, but because it was part of who that I am. So that's what God wants for us. And our children need to see that in us. They don't, they don't just need to see the outward religion. They need to see that it's real. It's, it's part of who we are. They need to hear it from us as well. They need to see it and they need to hear it. And all the while, we must trust God to open their hearts to the Word of God and to bring them into a saving relationship with Him. So see, the Lord will use our efforts. He will, he will honor and bless our, our best in efforts to obey him and to live the word of God and teach the word of God but ultimately we must trust our children to him and to his sovereign care this truth that, that God is sovereign it allows us to live in his grace it's not all on the parents if a child doesn't grow up and live for God the parents could have had a part in that failure, but ultimately it's between them and the Lord. And so we can live in that grace. We can live in that grace for ourselves, and we can live in that grace for our children and trust them to God and to pray for them. And, and that's something that we collectively can do as a church, is praying for each other, especially praying for children in this generation that is perverse and turned away from God. And will do everything within its power to turn our children away from God. And so we, we need God's grace for them and their lives. And so as, as the church body, we can be committed to that as well. Let's close in prayer. Father, we do rejoice in you and thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you for the instruction from your word this morning. I pray you'd help us and give us grace to live it out. In Jesus' name.